words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. This morning, what I'm speaking about is gaining mastery. And it came about from the word conference. You know, many of us, we, we just like events. If we to come, we enjoy the emotion of it, the hype, and then we'll move on. It's not in the t-shirt or the hoodie. Yeah? Finishing generation is not in the t-shirt and the hoodie. They were lovely, they were, they were on point. But it's not inside there. So as you wear it now, it's not that you are wearing finishing generation. It's what you do. The Bible says that don't be hearers of the word alone, but be doers. And what struck me most, that, that, that conference was, in, look, in modern, you say it was lit. It was beyond lit. It was, it was fire. But I, I just came away with a sense that many of us still didn't really understand. It was just a conference that was not nice messages, everything, the atmosphere was good. It was much more than that. And again, Pimo, I want to say thank you for being obedient. He never understands why I keep saying that. But I understand there are certain shifts that the house has gone through in recent times. I can point to two particular ones. One was just the first call that before you went to Massey, God began to shift the house in a different direction. There was a hunger. Prayer became very easy. People were fasting and praying and on point. If you call a meeting where you usually would have 15, you would have more than 30. I'm, I'm, I know I'm correct. Then the second shift was this conference track back the last few weeks the kind of presence that's been here is not the same it's not the same it's the kind of atmosphere that changes things and shifts situations you come in burdened and leave light you come in sick and leave healed so i know that there's a corner that has been turned and we must understand it for what it is and so one recurring scripture that kept coming through the conference almost every speaker would point to it was hebrews 12 1 and 2. in fact funnily the day on the sunday so uh, prophet Adam was speaking and so ever was sitting beside pastor Adi and i so when she, he just said chai he has taken all my notes i don't know what i would say we're just laughing but that's how it is because that the spirit is one you know it says in um, Hebrews 12, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Mark those, that last phrase. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, this frames, so finishing generation is the generation that finishes. So you start and you finish. Many times we start and don't finish. And you put it down to a myriad of reasons that maybe there was not enough money, or there was not enough this, or this one didn't happen. Many do not finish. But God's intention is that you start and you finish. When you read in Zechariah, it talks about Zerubbabel. It says he laid the foundation and he finished it. That is God's concept of what 
what is what is good and that's what winning speaks to so in the context of this scripture it it brings a race as the thing that we're all doing and it says in the latter part of verse one it says let us run with endurance the race that is set before us that just frames it for you it's a race means it's competitive it means there are others who are preparing to win that Lord and only one person wins so just as you want to win others want to win but only one person can win so you're going to have to make sure you prepare for that race running with endurance means it's going to be stretching it's going to involve pain it's going to involve a lot of effort and you must be ready endurance speaks of patience so you can't be jittery and impatient and expect to win you have to, especially if it's like a long distance race. You know, each race has its own technique. So, my, I, I posit this to people. I said, so when people are feeling, look, things are not happening, I said, and you're looking at other people. I always say to people, I said, just understand, in this life, life is a race. We are all at the starting point, but we're running different races. So imagine Usain Bolt, Mufara, and uh, the cross country champion at the starting point, when they shoot the gun, they all start the race. But their pace is different. Because Usain Bolt has to, be, for 100 meters or 200 meters, what gives you an edge is being quick out of the block and running with all your might to finish because the race is a sprint. But if, imagine Mofara keeping pace with Usain Bolt. By the time Usain Bolt finishes his race, Mofara will finish his race too. He's supposed to do 5,000 or 10,000. But if he runs at that pace with Usain Bolt, he will finish his race at 200 meters. Because a 5,000 or a long distance race involves steady pace, slow and steady. And you build up, you build a consistency, you build a consistent rhythm. And then towards the end, everything you have, you give it. So you, you must understand the dynamics of your race. And don't think you're in the same race with the next person. When we fail to do that, we enter problems. A lot of us, that's where it is. So the race speaks of your destiny or your, 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 your I don't want to use the word calling, what God has called you to do and be. Many of us don't understand it, but we look at, you know, all we know is we want to blow, we want to build house, we want to do this. So whether it's this way or that way, that's our game, our, our end game. But it's not in God's mind. And until you understand what he has called you to do and to be, you will waffle around. Again, endurance. It speaks of patience. If you know anything about races or athletes, so if one wants to compete at the highest level, either the Olympics or the World Championship, they start training a few days after the last one has finished. Olympics is four years. They start training from like three days. They just take a break, enjoy, celebrate, and then start training. It's four years ahead, but they start now. You have to build a, a you build capacity and build consistency. Because the only way you're going, you have to keep improving. They'll be looking at their, their timings. They'll be looking at the, the strength, uh, the build strength, they build capacity, stamina, and it's a consistent thing. There's a plan to get there. Even a boxer, you have to hit 
your maximum weight, your own body weight, that the best, your fastest at that weight. So you'll see many times they shed weight to get there. So I'm just trying to take the trouble to paint the picture about the race. Because it is that that makes you know, first of all, you must know what you're finishing now. If you don't even know the race, what are you, you're just running. Imagine they say they are doing Lagos Marathon and they're going to pass this road, go to um, um, Adetokumbo, Ademola, around Bonny Camp. Then you will go to Lekki. You won't finish the race. Or when you finish, others have already gone home. <laughs> and so what was very clear in my mind is for you to finish the race accurately or in the way God wants, you need to gain mastery. Now, let me just define mastery and then get into two scriptures. And please just follow me closely. Because what got dropped in my heart is the euphoria of the conference will come and go. Many of us will still be in the same bucket. And that will be a tragedy. Because what that conference did was download your, the mindset you have to have, give you pointers, and then you go. Nobody's going to do it for you. Mastery, the, the dictionary says it is comprehensive knowledge or skill in a particular subject or activity. It's also the control or superior, superiority over someone or something. So it all speaks of being an expert. So you have knowledge that is superior to others. That's what makes you able to be superior to other people is the knowledge you have and the practice of that knowledge that gives you that ability. Now, two scriptures I want to pull out that speak to mastery. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 in the King James Version. It says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. It says, but we are incorruptible. The amplified version of that verse says, now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. It says, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Second scripture, 2 Timothy 2, which was, which was on the poster. But I'll take it from verse 3 to 5. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And it says, And if a man also strives for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. I take the amplified of that verse 5. It says, if anyone enters competitive games, he is not crowned unless he competes lawfully or fairly according to the rules that are laid down. And those two scriptures, a few things just want to unpack because they both speak to mastery, which means becoming expert, coming to expert level in whatever sphere of um, life you're in. I just want to go through a few things, just highlight. There's nothing new I'm going to say. I just felt God say highlight certain things because we need to go back and begin to build in that direction. 
because conference was four weeks ago. Who he helped so far? Who has he helped so far that you can point to something? Point, not just it changed your mind. Point to something. Many of us went back to normal. I'm just trying to underscore why I'm doing this so that you won't be like, you're expecting one message, forget it. God just said, go back to what we talked about, what we're talking about, so that people understand and begin to practice. It's, you keep hearing a word, the word goes out. You hear it, it goes out. What have you done with the word? And that's all I kept hearing, that my people need to dig, dig wells. First thing, is for you to discover your niche and nurture it. A niche is your own special area. So everybody can go into an area, go into printing. But you determine that I'm not just going to do printing. I'm going to print on things like ACs, um, metal things, objects. And that's all I'm going to focus on. So everybody else is chasing printer, printing this and printing that. You decide this is what I'm going to do. And then you create a market. Or you find there's a market there and you begin to follow it and do what you're doing. You're not trying to be everybody else. You become an authority in that area and then people come to you. Once they just say, we want to do this, that's the person they think of. And that is how one of the things you do. Now, you don't try to be like everyone else or try to compete with them on their own terms. You will fail. But when you create your own, find your niche that you're specially crafted or gifted to, to do, you will find it. Now, let me give you an example from Scripture. Everything I want to do is anchor it in Scripture because if you learn to bury yourself in Scripture, you, you will have easy passage in life because everything you need to do or know is in, is in Scripture if you can only search it out. Now, think about David. David went to battle with Goliath and he says Saul decided to give him his armor. The king's armor is always the toughest, the best, made out, fabricated with the best metal and everything. So they don't want the king to die. So others can have light metal. They give him heavy metal. So David put it on and he says he could not walk. I like the King James. He said he hadn't said it. So he just said, put it aside. And he took what he was comfortable with, which was a sling with five smooth stones. Now, Think about, try and picture, I don't know how many of you have watched anything about David and Goliath, but you look at one well-kitted soldier. You know, those guys, in those days, even many battles will end once you see the opposite, uh, the opponent. When you just dress, then you look at yourself, you just say, I give up. That's how battle was in those days. <laughs> so you see Goliath, well-kitted out, tall, big, well-covered, with sword, with spear, with shield. Then one little rat is coming with catapults. Because when we say sling, many of us can relate to his catapults with stone, five. So you can't blame Goliath for saying, am I a dog that they will send this creature after me? But David went with what he was used to. And he took one stone to take Goliath out. Yes, God helped. But the accuracy is, he had gained mastery in that. I imagine he used to use it to teach some foxes and lions lesson. First, doom, then before he goes after it, he killed them with the bear. Do you think he just went with his hand like that? Is he Samson? Must have hit the thing one, then he'll go after it. This is my own picture. Don't say it's what happened in Bible. I like to read the Bible graphically. But the point is, 
He went with what he was comfortable with. Many times we disdain what we have and think it's nothing. But it is everything. And so Elisha says to the widow who was, in, her husband left her in debt and her sons were about to be taken. He says, what do you have in your house? She says, nothing. Except a cruise of oil. I mean, to understand in those days, what you had to have oil for light, for your lamp. So even if you are poor, you had small, small oil. Because if not, you were, no, that's no nepa, no credit. You have to have small credit, even if you are broke. If not, it's no light. And for her, it was nothing. Because it was nothing of value to her. But that same thing is what God used to deliver her from poverty. Find your niche. Be comfortable in your niche. Don't compare yourself with others. You know, I've always loved worship. I've always loved music. Let me put it that way. I didn't understand how much God wired me for worship. I mean, I'm not a worship leader. I will never be. It's not what he called me. Okay. Okay, let me not confess the one that... But I, I know that how... I, I didn't realize anytime I will speak, I must sing. It's not a conscious thing. Until when we went to the uh, Day of the Lord. Before I went up, as I was going to go up, my daughter said to Linda, he will sing. <laughs> and that's when I realized, really, it's not, I don't many times plan to sing. A song comes and it's relevant to the situation. And that's what helps me begin to frame things. So I began to understand that just release yourself. Because I told myself, I won't sing, I won't sing. It's not working. Because <laughs> the song will just be coming and pushing you. Find your niche. I'm just using a very mundane example. In every single thing you do, find your niche and gain expertise in that area. Because that's what will define you and set you apart. When you're, especially if you're in a, like a commodity area, everybody's doing cocoa. I mean, I read the story of a guy, and I'm trying to break it down, be very practical so you understand. One guy wrote about an Uber, uh, a taxi guy he met, and the guy came, was well-dressed in a suit, you know, opened the door for him and then asked him, gave him his card. Said, this is my card if you ever want to. And the guy's wondering, driver, Tazi. <laughs> and then he said he had a cooler bag. Do you want a drink? There's a soda, there's water, there's... Ah, the guy's wondering, is that added to the bill? <laughs> but he had to ask the guy, I mean, exactly. He says, no, this is what I do. And I find that you must make yourself professional in that area. People must remember you. And so he, he learned this from reading about doing business. What sets you apart? In marketing, they call it, what's your unique selling point? When people think about you, this is what they think. What sets you apart? Second thing I want to highlight 
is the word temperance. We saw in the scripture we read in, um, in um, Corinthians, it says, every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. The word temperance speaks to self-regulated, disciplined, one who will step back and make sure you do things. Again, if you look at the Timothy scripture, it says, you cannot win except you strive lawfully. So you must do things the right way. You must control yourself. Otherwise, you will, if you're given to excesses. So boxers, for instance, for every season they are training, they have to eat certain things. They have to train in certain ways. They have to stay away from women. They have to do this. They have to do that. If not, you can't. You can't. Take Samson. Samson knew he should not drink alcohol. He should not go after women. Not only did he go after women, he went after Philistine enemy women and prostitutes too. How do you expect to win? Temperance, self-control. Two scriptures. Um, we, well, we read the Timothy one already that you must strive lovely, but Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. It's very deep scripture. It's one of the scriptures God used to deliver me of anger. Because I, I, I have a temper, so many people can't believe, but I've gone through many things in life. <laughs> there was a time that I was, I was on a short fuse and I just felt it prompted me to go and do a study on anger. So I picked every scripture that had anger, wrath, ire in it and I just began to read. When I got to this one, it just hit me like a, a punch. And the next day, I was just driving down Bode Thomas. I'll never forget. Long that time, eh, the car that was raining was um, that 505 uh, Evolution. Mm -hmm. That was the car raining then. I remember it very clearly. Blue, navy blue, was sil metallic navy blue. The car was in front of me. I know these downfall drivers, how they always do. They just he stopped in the middle of the road. I was picking passengers. This man was honing. He was honing. Honing. We were all upset. So I, I saw space behind me. I backed up. And I wanted... So the guy to backed up and went. So go your way. The guy said to cut in front of the bus. Maybe he was angry. Then the bus hit him. Bow. The man beat the bus. But you know, all that was going to my mind is, that car is Tukumbo. <laughs> that car can't have been more than two, three days old. It was already to come, but all the beating you're beating doesn't change. If you take that thing to the workshop, you won't get value. That thing with this scripture delivered me that you see, a city without walls means you're defenseless. You're open to these goats and chickens that will just be eating in the house. It helped me. Temperance, temperance, very important. Because when you don't regulate yourself, you cannot rule others if you don't rule yourself. Self-government is the first government. So many of us are shouting, the government, the government, the government. If they put you there, you will do us. Many of us. Let's tell ourselves the truth. It's just, like someone said, a poor man, is, is, you need to know when he has money, you know, his, his attitude to life and things. 
when you're not in a situation, you don't know until you're there. But if you're regulated from the start, you begin to walk right. Third thing is diligence. Dedication and hard work are so important. The Generation Z and the Millennials have a problem in that area. Everybody wants to blow instantly. There's, let me, let me, let me, it's not a, it's a, general, a generalist view, but I also know a lot of millennials, for instance, who can work long hours. You want a, 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 want a deliverable, they'll do it. Even if they sleep overnight, and I mean, they have to stay awake overnight, they'll do it, they'll deliver. But they don't want to conform to your normal hours. Just give me a job, a task, I'll do it. Many are not like that. But you see, diligence, you cannot replace it. If you want to do, you need to put in the work. It's not by thinking or hoping. You have to put in the work. Because God is a God of process. You know, God is also the God of the miraculous. That is his nature. His nature is the miraculous. But you see, the problem is, he will only do that maybe 5-10% of the time. But the rest of the time, there must be process. We talk about the supernatural. There's natural and there's super. All he does is place his super on your natural. But there must be a natural. So many are not ready to go through the ringer. And God does not, there's no shortcut with God. If he gives you an exam to do, you, will, you must pass it. If it takes you 20 years, you will do it. When you finally get with the program, then you move on. So it's important to be diligent and you are, you are one who you're dedicated and you, your hard work is, is your nature. Because there are a lot of seasons. I remember when I was in banking. Every time you leave, I mean, if I two years was too long, many people were just moving. So in six, seven years, from banking officer, you become a manager or from entry, you become a manager. What do you know? Then if you go for a conference abroad, they are dealing with people who have been managers for 15 years. They know that area. You are just manager in name. When you get there, you realize you do nothing. So many were in that space. Until I got to a, a, an international bank, I began to understand this thing is not about a title. You have to have something inside here. It's not by achieving the manager's status. You must be worth your salt. You must put in the work. It's so important because many times God will always test you and he will test your commitment and it will come with tasks that will stretch you. That's the other way he builds capacity in you. Capacity comes before the abundance. Isaiah 54. It says, stretch for the curtains of your habitation. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will break out on the left and on the right. The capacity comes before the breaking out. But like I said, the mindset is, we want to hammer, so you just look at this, the way to go, let's just go in there. What marketing plan do you have? What have you put in place to carry what is coming? How many of us know Latana Bookshop? 
So when Pastor Remy Morgan started Latana, they were in um, they were in Adeola Hopewell. That bank was um, Standard Trust Bank. They were at the back in one boy's quarter, the one room. And when he started, he used to be in finance, and he got um, he got he used to go for conferences, and he just entered that area and. He grew. It began to grow. Get get um, It was tough to get credit facilities then, or from suppliers. But he got many, and then he started building up. Within a couple of months, that place was so full. Uh, I said, "You need to move." He got a, a, a bigger place in front. Within a few months, it was full. Then he got where they are now, and they were in one wing of a duplex. When I went there, I said, you need to move. He said, look, we have just moved here. Let's leave that in first. <laughs> Let's leave it. Now they've spread to the other side. It's still not big enough. But they went through process. They didn't just wake up and hammer. It went through the ringer. It went through process. It took a lot of work. So, you see, God can take you from there to there overnight. He can but does he do it frequently? And guess what? We are all praying for that from here to here. He will only give one person. How about pray for it, but you are doing the work so that he meets you in the way. It's a slight adjustment we have to make in our minds because there's nothing wrong in praying for a breakthrough. Absolutely necessary. But prepare for the breakthrough. That's where we fail a lot of the time. Ask yourself. I mean, I remember once, we were, when we, we, years back, uh, when we were in a Papa Parish, we were praying, woman was praying for a breakthrough to get about 10 million. She wanted to expand her business. We were praying, we were praying. She got the 10 million. Guess what? Six months, she hadn't done anything. She didn't know what to do. So I asked myself, what were you praying for? You just like the idea of having 10 million? One of the things, first things I learned about, you know, about entrepreneurship, you know, everybody says you need capital. God bless the person who took us at the program. She said, the first thing you need is not capital. You have to have a model. You have to have a plan. And she says, think about it. If you wanted to get fund your business, you have a business plan that is all correct. And then someone has a business plan to make um, phone cases and has done a mold, crude mold, but has done something and has done some research. And two of you go and pitch to Dangote. Who do you think you will go with? The person who has tried something because he can see you have made your mistakes. And that person would fund his business on things he knows needs to be done. You are starting up. So from the minute you get that loan, you are paying back. You have not even done anything. And most people, they go and buy won't get one two shoffies, buy a fleet of cars, this, this, this. Is that what we say in the market? I'm deliberately being very practical because, you see, finishing generation is not spiritual about finishing and time ends and then we are all going to be floating like angels. It's about life. It starts here. You begin to create the systems. We're talking about the seven mountains. They're not spiritual. The only one that is there is religion. But we're talking about media. We're talking about banking, finance, government. 
You're meant to take over those, those sectors. Are you prepared? The way our country is today, if you don't know, it's not because of APC, PDP. It's designed by God to make us rise up and take our rightful place. It's going to need people who know and who have the fear of God. We are kings and priests. A king is trained to rule. A king doesn't just emerge. He's schooled. The schools he goes to, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he interacts, everything is set. He doesn't just wake up and become a king. Proverbs 12, 24. It says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. It says, But the slothful shall be under tribute. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. This is too quiet for me. Mm. <laughs> Am I chicken tables or what? Ah. <laughs> Encourage me. me. Me just by the way, I'm talking to myself because I it's part of where I got there that you self, you are just hearing things. It's nice, nice. Okay, so what are you doing? So I keep asking myself that every day. What's the plan? Fourth thing. You must have razor-sharp focus. I deliberately use those words, not just focus, because you know, every time you go into one thing, they tell you vision, mission. Sometimes it just becomes a, a, a collection of words that you just recite. It becomes like the pledge. Many of us can recite it. We don't, we don't even leave it. What does it mean? We don't know. The thing about razor sharp focus is that you must have consistency. Even when things seem to be derailing, you must remain consistent. The power of water, water that we drink, has the power to bring down a mountain. It's just determ it's determined by how much. Just so one, one of the methods those crazy people do for torture is they will just put your head in a brace and then just let water be dropping on your forehead. Just drops with the intervals. Over time, it erodes your, your skin and creates a hole. There's some mad people in this world. I don't understand how they think those things. But if, you, if water keeps going at a mountain or a rock, it will break it after a while. No matter how hard the rock is, water is just water. But if it keeps coming with pressure, the, if you've seen floods taking down a city with skyscrapers, it's, it's a sight to behold. You don't even want to be near there. Um, Singapore, there was a flood um, two months ago. 
we had floods in about four different nations at the same time. The one in Singapore, I saw some videos of it, it was crazy. It was crazy. The force of water was taking down buildings, any kind of thing. You need to have that kind of focus and keep going. So things might not seem to come around, but keep going. Once you know this is the right path, keep going. I felt today we need to pray against the spirit of distraction. Because the one thing that, apart from, for those who are in business, one of the things that gets you more is what others are doing. And then things just come up that just keep taking you away from your goal and you end up not doing anything. Today, I just hear God saying, break the hold of that spirit of distraction that you will keep your focus on that thing and keep going, irrespective. So if it means swimming against the tide, you will do it. Because you know that that's my goal and I keep going that direction. Isaiah 50 verse 7. It says, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. John 4, 34, Jesus said, My meat, my food, let me read the Amplified. It says, My food or nourishment is to do the will or pleasure of him who sent me and to accomplish and completely finish his work. See, Jesus was, he was not distracted. If you study his pattern, nothing distracted him. He used to wake up early and he would pray. So when people found out he was doing that, they would wake up early too. So he woke up earlier. He never got distracted. He was focused. He kept going because this was his driver to finish the work that God sent him to do. So when you have a task, be razor sharp focused on it. Because that many times is the difference between you and others. Others will give up before because it's too hard, there's issues and all that, but you keep going. I don't know what race you are running. And nobody can tell me they are not in a race. Even if you work in an office, when you all join us, um, entry level people one person is going to become the MD in that company only one so of all of you it's one of you if you decide I want to be that one do you think it's just going to happen by just ambling along you need to be on top of everything you need to you know the, the problem I have with the corporate world especially the American, is it's a dog-eat-dog situation. You can be competitive and still be equitable. But the way it works is you, you need to kill the other person. It's a crab mindset. So if you put crabs in a, a bucket and come back the next day, all of them will be there. Because one will be climbing up, the other will pull him down. That's 
ties to the corporate world. So when you come with, you know, the number one thing that most corporate executives lack is empathy. Because you are trained to be hard. So when you show empathy, it's as if you are weak. But I laugh because the ways of God are very different. You know, when they talk about leadership, you know, they talk about the, the leader and the role of a leader. Then they talk about soft leaders. They are those who everybody turns to. They're not the leader. They don't have the position, but they're those who they turn to. People remember the things you do for them, not the commands you give. I love watching war movies. One thing, I see a lot about leadership there. You know, the military is, the way it's prescribed is, if I give an order, you must do it. You don't question. So a leader, so the difference between a manager and a leader is just that. A manager, manager is the one who gives you an instruction, you do it. Because of his position, you do it. A leader is the one who will suggest and you do it. I've watched several movies, you know, some of the elite squads like the Marines, the Navy SEALs, those kinds of guys. They go on dangerous missions that they're going for that mission, they know they might not come back. It's literally like a suicide mission. But the commander comes and says, guys, this one is a very big, if you have, if you don't want to go, step back. In the military, they tell you go, you just go, there's no choice. The test of a real leader is the one who will tell you, if you want to, this one, I can't guarantee you will come back. You might die. So if you don't want to go, feel free. And all of them volunteer. Why do you think they will volunteer? They know they could die. It's because they trust that guy. They trust him. Any prayer group I take, I always teach this principle that from the military, I learned one thing. When you go to military school, I teach that you have each other's back. It is the other person's your responsibility. If anything happens to that person, it's your fault. Because when you go to war, in the thick of battle, the one who's behind you covers you. He has, he has sight beyond you see your linear and your vision and there's something coming from this side he's behind you he can see he can take it out if he fails to you're down i read one of um guys who just left west point the an academy in america and then they went to they were they were drafted to go to battle and they made they made a pact amongst themselves that look in the event i don't come back you take care of my family they only met themselves in the school. They didn't know themselves. And one black guy and a white guy, they went to war. And the white guy saved the life of the black guy. And he died from the injuries. That black guy came back and began to look after that guy's family. He didn't know them. Because of a covenant he made. Well, not a covenant. They just made a promise to themselves. But it, it really touched me. That you will go out of your way to do that because of someone you don't know. But you made promise and you stand by it Psalm 15 says the one who will swear to his own hurt is the one that God will, will ascend to the hill of God 
That means you know this thing is going to cost me something. But you do it nonetheless because it is right. How you fight your battles or how you run your race matters to God. It says you are not crowned except you strive lawfully. So in gaining mastery, how you do it is very important to God. So I ask you to examine the race you are running. And ask yourself, am I doing it right? Most times we are moved by what everybody else is doing. There are always all kinds of theories. The same Harvard, you know that everybody wants to be an executive. I think it was about two, three years ago. They did a study, or four years, about top executives. And they found out all of them, without exception, have broken homes. They are, they, they are, their health is challenged. You are on top, but what's the meaning of life? And so they started teaching about balance and about family in Harvard. Because you must strive lawfully. God didn't design you to work and become the best for just the sake of being the best. Too many men were providing for the family. They were focused on work. Why do you think when we all grow old, the mother is abroad with the children, doing omugo from here to there to there. You are here eating beans by yourself. Let me shake and break the table. Us young men, let's learn it. Let's learn it. You see, because many men, check our fathers, many of them, they're just by themselves. Then they have to be like David and bring one happy shack to be keeping them warm. The mother is doing Umugo from London to US to here to there. Because the one the children call his mommy, it's not just because it's Umugo. His daddy was always doing work. So mommy was always the one nurturing. Even she was working, but when they have problems, mommy, they go to. Us men get sense of. Your children must know you because it's not provision alone. And then you say, I, I paid your school fees, I did this. Yes, you paid it. Thank you. It's a responsibility on you. No, really. I'm, 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 guys, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from things where, where, where people were trying to help right now. It's becoming crazy. We thought it was our older, our fathers. It's, it's, it's nearer. It's in our generation. People are struggling because you are realizing that all those years you were busting your butt to get, to provide for the family. For what? Men, let's, let me digress and talk to us men. You see Ziklag, 1 Samuel 30, when they came back to Ziklag, right? And they found the, the town, the city was burned down and their families taken away. He says the men wept till they had no strength. To make a man cry is hard. Let's tell ourselves the truth. Our families are the most important thing to us. So when you act otherwise, you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. Provide, yes. But be there. Too many men abdicate the role of the priest to the wives because they say they are not there. I'm breaking tables today. 
this wasn't the plan, but I think it's what God wants to say today. Let's get it right. Because if we don't, there's a place, there's a place for the mother and the father. God designed it so. If you go back to creation, he made man complete. He says, male and female created he them in one entity. But when he says, it is not good that man should be alone. And he searched for one that was commensurate with man. He found none. The only thing he could do was separate the male from the female and become two. But what that means, this is free marriage counseling, is that both are incomplete without the other. It's not about superiority. It's about you are, you are warped without the other one. And except you are together. That's why it says, the man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to the wife. That's when you come back into the place of perfection. That's the design of marriage. And so in that, raising your children, they cannot be complete without the two. They can't. And so if you abdicate your responsibility because of making money for the family, yes, you are doing well. And Master Macaroni will tell you, you're doing well. I'm trying to make us laugh because everybody is too serious now. <laughs> that child will not be well-rounded. Remember, we're talking about gaining mastery. I've delved into many things because gaining mastery is not just about your work. It's not about spiritual things. It's about your life. You must be top-notch in every area. Hmm. Let me just end because people are just discouraging me now. <laughs> I feel as if I'm banging people's heads. That's not me. <laughs> the only thing I know is that God seems to be frustrated with us. He's given us everything we need. He's made everything available. He sent Christ as a pattern for us. And yet we don't seem to still lay old. It starts from that place of gaining mastery. Just bring yourself back to him. In James it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. For he gives liberally without upbraiding. He doesn't hold back. A problem many times is that we feel it's not okay to ask and seem that you don't know. I said to my daughter, I said, look, if you don't understand anything in class, don't be ashamed. They will laugh. But you see, what you gain as knowledge, no one can take from you. So they laugh now. But if you become tops in that area, they will come to you to ask, to help them understand. So never be afraid to ask questions. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. That wisdom that is from above, he says, is the wisdom that is perfect. 
many of us that's what we need the wisdom of God for our situations I'm not perfect I'm still struggling I'm trying but one thing I do is I try to ask God I try to just follow all the patterns I see and I, I, I see so many things in scripture that guide me if you take the trouble every problem you have there's a solution in scripture if you just take the time to spend in the word just come back to him lay everything that is a trouble to you before him this morning us to pray one prayer. Ephesians 3.16 I will read the amplified version. It says, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. The King James doesn't cut it for me. He says that, that we strengthen with might by his spirit in your inner man. This one breaks it down. He says you'll be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will invade you. He will take up every part of you. But it starts with you releasing. Because many times we hold on to things. And any space that you have robs him of filling you. It's only one that is filled with the Spirit of God that can express the life of God. Open your hearts to him. Just say, Lord, Invade me, Holy Spirit. Invade every inch of my heart. Fill me to overflowing. Let your grace abound to me. Let me walk with your wisdom. Let your grace undergird me. Even when I don't know Help me to look to you and receive help. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.